This live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at espnrichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. So I really do like it when we are in alignment with the network, with our flagship, with ESPN, with ESPN Radio and the Sports Center at the top of the hour that directly precedes our show. And when Christine Lisi is reporting the news, because I happen to think she is very good. I think Doug Brown is very good also, who is their other primary afternoon Sports Center host that you hear at 4 and at 5 as part of the sports huddle. But she mentioned the Baltimore Ravens' pretty significant injury. Of course, this coming with Commanders-Ravens practices, joint practices as a backdrop yesterday and today. But Marlon Humphrey, who's a pro Bowl cornerback for them, will miss time, injury that may require a medical procedure. I first saw this from Mike Garofalo from NFL Network, and then you just heard it on the ESPN Sports Center update. So uh, he's very questionable for the start of the season. So that's a that's a pretty major blow for the Baltimore Ravens that was announced and reported today. And as J.P. Finley tweeted out from NBC Sports Washington, uh, that explains why he has not been at practice yesterday and today for the Ravens, but also got me a little bit curious. Uh, Welcome to the show, by the way, to the Sports Huddle. Bob Black with you here, hosting remotely midweek edition on a Wednesday afternoon. Lewis in our ESPN Richmond studio again today. 804-327-0888 if you'd like to get on the air talk nfl talk training camps uh, talk college training camps i guess we don't really call them training camps at the college level but preseason practices we're going to do a lot more of that later in the show i'll update you on that in a few moments when we get to the river city rundown um but it got me thinking a little bit and yesterday and i'm going to do this again today because i think jp and john kime Really cover the commanders well for us, and John's going to be on with us tomorrow as a foreshadowing of what's coming uh, here on the Sports Huddle on Thursday afternoon. But nonetheless, I like scrolling through both of their Twitter feeds to kind of give us an idea in bullet point form of how the practices went, whether they were joint practices or not. So I'll get to some of their observations from today because most, if not all, of their observations are commanders-related, and they should. That's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. But it did get me a little bit curious today just to kind of see from the Baltimore Ravens' perspective, how are things going down at these joint practices? So I went about as far into the Ravens' perspective as you could possibly go, not with a reporter, a newspaper guy, or gal, or radio, or TV person, but just right to their website. And you know it's got to be positive for them. When you go to teams' websites, you're not going to get the really negative stuff, right? Uh, RichmondSpiders.com, you're not going to get it. VCU Rams, you're not going to get any of those. I get that. But I still just wanted to see what what kind of is the perspective over there from Baltimore, who we talk about a decent amount, um, but not in this scenario. In this situation, we're going to talk commanders. That's the team that we cover and talk about the most. But I just thought it would be kind of interesting to see what the perspective was uh, from Baltimore. And the Ravens' website does a really nice job. I mean, they've got a very detailed uh, column up there on the practice report both yesterday and today. And once again, today, as with yesterday, 
there were a couple more skirmishes. One happened very early today, and they kind of nipped that one in the bud, and the coaches kind of laid down the law a little bit. And there wasn't as much of that today, particularly in the second half of the practice session, as there was in the first. That doesn't mean there weren't some highly competitive drills, because apparently there were, particularly those in-the-trenches drills that I love to watch. I remember when the Commanders football team, Redskins, used to come to Richmond, and they would run those drills between O-line and D-line right in the back of the end zone by the tents where the hospitality tents were over there at the Bon Secours training facility and where the media tents were located. And you could literally stand about 10 yards away, 5 yards away um, with your media passes I was able to do and watch those drills between the O-line and the D-line. Those were, those were fascinating. Those moved some earth back and forth. And then when you get to do that between two different teams, not just one team, offense and defense, then it becomes, I think, even more intense. And apparently uh, that's what happened today. And both teams had some guys who lost their temper a little bit. Uh, Sam Cosme was pointed out for the commanders. I'm reading off of the uh, Baltimore website, was particularly livid and threw his helmet to the ground before coaches talked to him including one of the Ravens coaches, Anthony Weaver, their defensive line coach. I think the coaches really took it upon themselves today. Restore as much order, and let's get some work going here. Uh, And there's going to be some, you know, skirmishes. Skirmishes, that's part of it, but let's get the job done here. And by all accounts, after they got through that at the beginning, uh, it was a pretty good day of workouts once again. So, again, this is from the Ravens' perspective. Um, looked like Sam Howell took some pressure today, was moving in and out of the pocket quite a few times. Again, on the Ravens' site, Howell was often on the run during 11-on-11 work, trying to escape pressure by rolling out of the pocket which is not necessarily the worst thing in the world because he's going to need work there because the commander's offensive line is certainly a work in progress, and that probably indicated that as much as anything today. Um, Apparently a good day for the commander's defense because the Ravens reported that their first-team offense didn't have as much success on day two as it did on day one. Lamar Jackson missed a couple of throws. One of them was to Odell Beckham. In fact, um, so probably some pretty good effort today by the Washington defense. So I would say that's a good sign. And again, coming from the the Ravens' perspective today. Now, apparently Zay Flowers, who was their number one pick, right, Uh, the Ravens, the, uh, the, the rookie wide receiver, had a pretty good day getting free from some of the Washington defenders. Now, uh, some of that came in seven-on-seven work, and it's much easier for the offensive guys in seven-on-seven. When you don't have that front line um, there, your quarterback is going to get a little more time, right? Uh, but he did have a touchdown during the 11-on-11 drill. Uh, so good for Zay Flowers. They're certainly counting on him in Baltimore, and we'll continue to follow it from their perspective. So I just thought that was kind of interesting today and kind of a different way for us to start the show today from the Ravens' perspective because they were in the joint practices with the um, with the commanders. J.P. Finley, though, reporting uh, Benjamin St. Juice had a good day, good play in the end zone, again, in those seven-on-sevens. So that's a pretty good move. Uh, Sam Howe was in front of the uh, microphones and cameras today, really talked glowingly about Terry McLaurin, as you might imagine that he would. Uh, Ron Rivera, really high on Andre Jones, uh, said he's a dynamic young man. His talents and his abilities did flash. He's a guy we'll have to pay attention to. And one more from Sam Howell, because we're going to get close here 
to pretty soon when Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy Eric Bieniemy publicly anoint him as the starting quarterback. It's going to happen. It's only a matter of time. And Hal was asked about that today and said, the title doesn't change anything from a work standpoint. I try to be the best player I can every single day. He is not officially QB1, but as JP and others point out, he is and has been QB1 through all of training camp, and there is certainly uh, nothing wrong with that. So there you go. Some of the news and notes out of uh, Commander's Ravens camp today, and uh, we'll continue to sift the wire and come up with some more information. And again, as I said, John Kime will be with us tomorrow because today was the second and last day of the joint sessions. They'll go back to their own respective camps for the remainder of the week and the weekend, and then they play Monday night. I guess that's the commander's opportunity to get to Monday night football because they are not scheduled for one of those appearances during the uh, regular season uh, this year. Uh, All right, there you go. So that that gets us started on a Wednesday afternoon, and you heard on the ESPN Sports Center update, boy, they really detailed the Jets' practice and joint practice, as you might imagine they would, with Aaron Rodgers being there. And it started out great, apparently, and didn't really end that way. Apparently, Rodgers and the Jets had a very tough day, and he showed some frustration uh, because they can't be patient in New York. Uh, They need this thing to happen uh, right here, right now, right from the very start. Aaron Rodgers' clock is ticking. The Jets' clock is ticking. They seem to have made a lot of the right moves. Uh, Now they need to get it done. I guess he had a good start to the day today, and then it fell apart pretty quickly for the Jets. And again, as we talked yesterday, that's what you see in these joint practices. You can really get a much better evaluation than you can when it's just your guys' uh, button heads out there. So interesting stuff, I thought, from training camps today as we get ready to get into the second weekend uh, preseason games. I think we'll see more starters during week two for not only the commanders but everybody in the National Football League. And then you'll think I think it'll tail off when we get to that third preseason game. They'll rest them, and they'll get ready for the start of the regular season in early September. All right, let's get you ready for this afternoon's sports huddle. And again, as always, be a part of it with us. 804 327 0888. Here's what we've got coming up for you today. Here's what's coming up on today's sports huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. During these hot summer months, donating blood and volunteering is crucial to the success of the Red Cross. To learn how you can help, visit redcross.org. We'll get into some college talk at the bottom of the hour. Our good friend, Virginia Tech Hall of Famer, Mike Burnup, the longtime radio analyst for the Hokies. He's going to join us at 4.30 this afternoon. So we'll kind of dissect what's happening in Virginia Tech. Brent Pry with year number two uh, running the Hokies show, and we'll see where they're at when Mike joins us at 4.30 this afternoon. And at 5.30, Dave Preston from WTOP Radio up in the nation's capital, D.C. Sports. We will talk with him about the commanders, certainly about the Nationals. They did lose yesterday, uh, but they have certainly shown some heart and some grittiness and trying to fight their way out of the cellar in the National League East um, and dump the Mets right into last place. I was going to talk some NBA schedule maybe with um, Dave today, but I did learn that while the uh, in-season tournament games are out, the full schedule will be out tomorrow. So we'll be able to take a look at whoever your favorite team might be, the favorites, the underdogs, the wizards, 
all of that, the NBA schedule. Bruce can kind of weigh in on all of that tomorrow uh, when the NBA schedule in its entirety will be announced tomorrow uh, during the day. And hopefully we'll have that by by 4 o'clock. There is some day baseball today. You know I love that, right? Um, I certainly didn't like baseball last night. The Braves just keep on going. I mean, it's just uncanny what they've been doing. So last night, Bryce Elder, who has not been pitching great for them, throws a gem of a game. Probably, not probably, it was his best game of the year. And combined with a couple of relievers, the Braves, in a game you heard right here on 1061 ESPN, blanked the Yankees, sent them down to the 500 mark, and they did it on just one base hit. Acuna homered, Azuna homered, Elder led the way pitching, got his ninth win of the season, 5 nothing win for the Braves. They just keep going. Whoever they plug in, it works for the Atlanta Braves. And right now, it's come unplugged for the New York Yankees to get one hit in Atlanta last night. And uh, the Yanks fall to 60-60 and 60 in last place in the American League East. When do we start um, announcing the Braves' magic number? I think we're probably getting pretty close to that, right? I mean, come on. I know it's still only mid-August and we got a ways to go, but they're 12 and a half up on the Phils and 15 on Miami. So we might need to start putting a magic number out there for the uh, Atlanta Braves because they're just absolutely running away with things. All right, day baseball. Before we get to the break today, there are several games today, travel day for some teams. Uh, The Tigers lead the Twins today in Minneapolis, 8-4. That game in the top half of the ninth inning. Um, And I'm looking right now, if I'm not mistaken, Josh Winder is actually in the game for the Minnesota Twins. The Richmond native and VMI product um, is in the game at the moment, although I wouldn't call it a mop-up role, but certainly in uh, a non-competitive kind of situation at the moment, just trying to get the Twins through the top of the ninth and give them a chance in the bottom of the ninth, trailing by a score of 8-4. to four. So Josh Winder from Richmond and VMI in the game today for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Colin Selby, by the way, the Randolph-Macon pitcher who got his first win with the Pirates yesterday. I heard Matt mention this today. Going to be on with him tomorrow, so tune in for that interview. If you're a local college baseball fan, uh, he picked up his first Major League win yesterday for Pittsburgh. Perfect timing for Matt to have him on tomorrow afternoon. Anyway, Tigers lead the Twins 8-4 top of the ninth. Diamondbacks lead the Rockies 2-1 bottom half of the fourth. And Tampa Bay, an early one nothing lead at San Francisco in the top of the second. Everything else under the lights tonight, including Yankees and Braves. Charlie Morton goes for win number 12 for Atlanta. And the Orioles are in San Diego. Padres beat them there last night. Uh, O's now looking for their 75th win of the season tonight. Uh, all right, there you go. And, uh, oh, yeah, the Nationals and Red Sox again today. Boston beat them last night at Nats Park. They go again today. Uh, Mackenzie Gore pitches for Washington tonight at 7 all right, 416 on the sports title. Quick update on our guests again today. It'll be Mike Burnup at 430 talking Virginia Tech Okies and Dave Preston from WTOP Radio talking D.C. sports at 530. Hope to talk with you this afternoon. We'll come back after the timeout. Sports title, 1061 ESPN. Full play of the year, you guessed it, came from the Braves. That means you heard it here, the exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. 1061 ESPN, Richmond.
21 or so on the Wednesday Sports Huddle, the 16th of August. I emphasize that because that puts us past deadline day in the ACC for any teams that were going to announce they were departing the conference and be eligible to leave at the end of the 23-24 season and move into a new conference for 24-25. It should not shock anyone that neither Florida State nor any other team in the ACC made that move. And, you know, Florida State can go back now to just trying to win football games. They've already gotten some of what they wanted, which was a change in the financial distribution of revenue from the ACC network, from ESPN, from the grant of rights, teams that are more successful in the um, revenue sports, football, men's and women's basketball primarily, uh, will get more money at the end of the year, which is the way it should be, by the way. Uh, That was antiquated. That was outdated in the ACC, whether it was Florida State that stomped up and down or Clemson or Virginia or Virginia Tech. I I think that's accurate, that 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 should be happening. Uh, The teams that are more successful, this is America after all, uh, should be getting more of the funds. Not that anybody should be shut out. They're still getting a decent slice of the pie, but the teams that are winning more in those sports particularly should be getting more. Uh, so anyway, there was no movement there. Uh, the Big 12 had made some overtures to UConn and Gonzaga about joining the Big 12. And, of course, that would be more of a basketball move than a football move, uh, obviously, in Gonzaga's case. But even in, in UConn's, where their football program has been in a world of hurt for quite some time now, the two of the New England schools that really suffered from the moves that they made uh, were UMass going FBS in football and UConn basically saying we're a basketball school and we're going back to the Big East, and it worked out great for them. They won a national championship. Their women's basketball team is still a powerhouse. They bring in significant revenue from those sports, and the football team is kind of left to pick up the pieces there. Uh, so those those two schools particularly really hurt from what happened, and, and that really didn't have anything to do with realignment. Uh, several years ago so no movement by gonzaga or yukon out of their respective conferences to the big 12 no movement out of the acc either um and i heard matt talking about this in the three o'clock hour uh, if you're the acc and, and there's certainly no i don't think uh there was no vote the presidents didn't do anything i know there's a big story on espn.com today about the acc um you know they didn't make any movement on Stanford or Cal or SMU and I none of us thought that was going to happen either I didn't hear anybody who thought that was that was actually going to happen but they they made it up they did the window dressing thing they did their due diligence and at the end of the day the ACC stays right where it is now it's up to the ACC to have as good a year as possible uh, and make it well known, you know, that they're worthy of where they are. Which and and Matt said this today too. Took the words right out of my mouth, and, and that was there's nothing wrong with being number three at the moment, as long as you're working and striving to close that gap between the SEC and the and the Big Ten and then the ACC, and don't let the Big Twelve uh, and conferences like that um, come up behind them. That's that's the other part of that. So they've, it's up to them now to to do the things, win games, put people in the seats, make the conference as attractive as you possibly can, both in football and in, in men's and women's basketball, but primarily in football. And 
it's up to all of them, including our two schools, Virginia and Virginia Tech. And obviously the prognostications are not good for either one of them to have particularly good seasons this year. In a moment, we're going to focus in on one of them, and that's the Virginia Tech Hokies, uh, because Mike Burnup is going to join us here in just a couple of moments, and we'll kind of get into a little bit with him, where they are, what they've got to do uh, to turn things around, because if Brent Pry is going to say the same thing at next year's Media Day that he said at this one, and this is kind of an unfair, out-of-context comment by a sports talk show host, that's the hat I have on at the moment. Anyway, if they're going to be considered the flagship program, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, you can't go three and eight, and you can't go one and six in the conference. Um, it, it's just as simple as that. And they've got to get off to a good start. They get Old Dominion, Purdue, Rutgers, and Marshall as their first four games. They have got to show some progress with wins in as many of those as possible. And certainly they need to get off to the right start by getting Old Dominion at home on September 2nd. We're going to talk about all of that with Mike Burnup from Virginia Tech's radio network, uh, the longtime radio analyst for both football and men's basketball, Hall of Fame football player at Virginia Tech, and good guy all around. And you know he doesn't like the losing in Blacksburg. He wants to see those guys as an alum uh, winning more than they're losing. So we'll get some comments from Mike Burnup. He's coming up next on the Sports Huddle. Miss out on a feel-good Thursday with Bob Black or Jamie's thoughts on South Beach Rob's shirt? Never fear. You can find replays of all our shows and interviews on our website at ESPNRichmond.com or on the iHeartRadio app. Just search 1061 ESPN Richmond. Right on time. Bottom of the hour, 4.30 on the midweek. Wednesday edition of the Sports Huddle here in Rich- Richmond, Virginia, 1061 ESPN. Bob Black back with you. Let's talk some college football, bringing a good friend of ours who's been doing it at a high level for a long, long time. A veteran analyst of the Virginia Tech Hokies and Hall of Famer Mike Burnup joins us uh, for the first time, I think, for the 2023 season. So excited to kick it off with him. Hi, Mike. How you doing? How was your summer? My summer was good, Bob. How about yours? We had just uh, went by really fast. I'll say that. Yeah, I hate using that in the past tense, right? I mean, I know it gets us closer to football season and all, but I hate using that. How was your summer in the past <laughs> tense? But, I did get away for a week in uh, the Fourth of July in Destin, Florida. So that was uh, that was big fun. That is. But nice. now we're in the thick of it, and uh, yeah, it's the game on now. It is, absolutely, and in a couple of weeks, and it'll be the Hokies in Old Dominion and Lane Stadium in Blacksburg on Labor Day weekend on September 2nd. Uh, let me start here, Mike. Uh, obviously not the season that anybody wanted to see a year ago at 3-8 and eight and 1-6 and six in the ACC. I guess there's a lot of answers to this, but I'd ask you to kind of narrow it down. Where do you hope to see the most improvement so that win total picks up? I guess quarterback is an easy answer, but I know you can dive a little bit deeper than that for reasons that this team can get better in 2023. Well, there is good competition at quarterback, but uh, I think the biggest difference you'll see is that last year you basically had one receiver that could kind of get a little separation, and that was Caleb Smith. And Caleb um, chose to go elsewhere, got in the transfer portal, went to Notre Dame. Uh, didn't make it through spring practice um, for a variety of reasons, but uh, that kind of let Coach Price say, man, we got to go get some receivers, right? So he goes to the transfer portal, and he gets three really, really talented receivers. You know, you got one of them, they're 
played at Old Dominion, right? Ollie mm-hmm. Jennings, yep. who caught five passes, I think, last year for 120 some yards against the Hokies. You know, he was there. You got Jalen Lane. He was from Middle Tennessee. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, they got some guys that uh, can flat out play. Daquan Felton uh, from Norfolk State, he's another one. <clears throat> so they got three really good receivers there to go along with, you know, Dwayne Lofton, who's finally healthy, and uh, Stephen Gosnell's back. So, yeah, they got some uh, better options uh, with guys that can get some separation. Uh, the tight ends are back, too, and Gallo. So I think that's that's one of the big things you'll see. And the inability last year, Bob, to run the football. They mm-hmm. couldn't run the ball with a hoot last year. <laughs> Three yards to carry, 3.1. And so they went out and got a running back, too. And this kid named uh, Basil Tootin, North Carolina A&T, who had over 1,300 yards. And I think he had 13 touchdowns rushing himself Well, the Virginia Tech team had 15 rushing touchdowns so he's the real deal and i think he'll make a big impact hey um we both know and you've been at it a long time that in order for and we'll get to the quarterback here in a moment but before you can even get to the quarterback in the trenches mike uh what are you feeling offensive line wise you mentioned three yards in a cloud of dust some of that's on the running backs obviously but some of that is on those big dudes up front isn't it oh no doubt no doubt and you got some guys that got some experience from last year, you know, when you think about the the Moore brothers, Caden Moore played a lot of football, and Park, Parker Clements did as well. And Caden's uh, brother, Braylon, he's in the mix. Um, Jack Hollyfield's getting some reps in there. He's uh, Dax's brother, younger brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xavier Chaplin's a big kid. He's about 6'5 and 250 or something. He's a, just a monster, so he's getting a lot of playing time. And Bob Schick's a transfer guy that came in last year and is – Got some experience, but yeah, you got to have at least eight, maybe nine offensive linemen, and I know they're still working uh, to get more depth in that group. All right, Mike, now to the quarterback position. Certainly don't want to bury the headline here, but as you mentioned, the offensive numbers weren't where they need to be to be a winning football team. Uh, Grant Wells' name certainly pops out as you look at the quarterback picture, but what about some of the guys um, taking snaps under center? Uh, I know Kyron Drones has gotten some mention. Uh, What about the quarterback position? Where are they at? Well, it's those two guys. I mean, it's Grant Wells and it's Kyron Drones. Uh, Grant's the incumbent. He's the starter. Started. He's played a lot of football. You know, started every game last year. Started those two years at Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drones is kind of a inexperienced guy. Came from Baylor. Transferred from Baylor. Uh, didn't start a football game there, so he's kind of green. But he's closing the gap, and you know he's got a certain skill set different from Grant. Bigger kid. You know, got a live arm. Uh, he's got a set of wheels on him. So. You know, I think if the season started tomorrow, Grant would probably in all likelihood start. But I think you would see drones in there with certain packages uh, to kind of show what he's all about. Are you good with that? I mean, where you will potentially use a two-quarterback system, and it sounds like in, in what you're saying and I've heard from others, it might not be a who's hot. It might be here's how we're scripting it, and quarterback two is coming in no matter what in certain situations. Yeah, I think that'll be the case just because – I think he deserves some playing time if he's, you know, he's had a pretty good camp, had a pretty good spring, and uh, he's looked good and he's closed the gap on Grant. So, you know, situations last year, like in that old Dominion game last year, Bob, mm-hmm. you know, Grant Wells threw four interceptions. Well, you know, I think the leash would be pretty short this year if that was to happen. I mean, he threw nine all year, but he threw four in the first game, and yet they didn't go to the second quarterback. Well, I think they'll feel more comfortable 
uh, this year being able to do that. You know, maybe take him out, let him sit and watch for a mm-hmm. time if he's having a rough go of it. So I think drones will bring that to the table, though. Catching up with Mike Burnham, talking some Virginia Tech football this afternoon. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Mike, I think I saw a stat, uh, and you would know it, I'm sure. Defensively, it was such a minuscule number of turnovers. I think it was like only nine maybe last year by the by the defense, if that's right. How do they rectify that and become more of a game-changing type of defense? Yeah, they only had four interceptions last year. It just wasn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that certainly was a big part of – how things went and so they got to get more explosive plays they got to force some more turnovers and uh, you know they were minus six i think as a team and so yeah you just got to do a better job and i think a lot of that starts with those guys up front those four guys and you need at least eight of them when virginia tech was playing their best football they had eight guys that could rush the passer and you got to stay fresh in this day of the spread offenses and uh you know you got to help those seven guys behind you but Chris Marvers taking over the defense from Brent Pry. He did that last year at the Liberty game. That was his first, like, two game. And he likes to blitz, and he likes to put those guys on an island, uh, the defensive backs, and I think he feels comfortable doing that this year. So I think having more pressure, uh, keeping those guys fresh on the line will help. Uh, I think one of the big pluses to the puzzle coming in uh, was when they got the transfer kid from uh, Florida, this Antoine Powell Rolt Ryland. I mean, he's six three and about two fifty, and he can flat out get after it on the defensive end. Now, he and Burgos, uh, they are pretty talented. So they're working in that regard to get a little more depth. But I think that that's the key right there. You know, get those guys up there, making the quarterback uncomfortable. Hey, Mike, what do you think Brent Pry learned from year one? Uh, first go around as a head coach um, that, that is perhaps, you know, he's using to his advantage in year two. Anything? Well, I think he learned a lot. I mean, he, if you ask him, he'll just say, I wasn't a very good coach. And part of that was because I think he spent so much time on the defense because that was his forte, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he'd been that coordinator for so long, and he had his hand on it, and he was calling the defense. Uh, until Chris Marv, he felt ready that he would be able to do it. So I think uh, he probably didn't spend enough time with the offense. Uh, there were issues that came up, you know, where he probably wasn't tough enough on some of the guys with the lack of discipline. You know, we had 15 penalties against Old Dominion, 15 penalties against West Virginia. That's that's just absurd to have that kind of lack of discipline. So <clears throat> they've been a, it's been a real point of emphasis this spring to punish guys who are making penalties, having penalties, uh, to be more disciplined, uh, to be more as a team. And I think uh, having his hand on the offense has certainly helped matters because he can bring a different perspective about what makes it uh, difficult from his standpoint, you know, when you talk about the offense, what they're trying to do. Mike, what's the expectation to get this season started before you get into ACC play in October? The non-conference games are Old Dominion, Purdue, Rutgers, and Marshall. What type of expectations are there for the Hokies before you get into the ACC? Well, I think when you look at it, you think that you feel pretty comfortable with those games. I mean, you got mm-hmm. the first two at home, the next two are on the road, but Purdue and Rutgers did not get a lot of love. Uh, in terms of the preseason picks for their conference, Purdue's got a new coach. Uh, records will be difficult. Marshall on the road won't be easy. But I think you got to come out of that thing as clean as you can get. 4-0 and would be great. 3-1 and wouldn't be bad because those eight 
ACC games are going to be difficult. Obviously, starting with Pitt, we saw what happened last year up there with the Bonaconda. That dude's still running. We haven't been able to tackle him yet. Fortunately, he's in the league now. <laughs> but, you know, we've had trouble with Pitt. And then you've got to turn around and play at Florida State, and it just doesn't get easy. So I think if you can get off to a great start, get three or four wins, have some confidence, a little mojo, uh, that could certainly set the tone for the season. How important is that first one? We know it is every year. Every team wants to certainly win every game, but but certainly that first one. But Old Dominion, what happened in Norfolk last year? You got it at Lane Stadium. You want to get that Lane Stadium buzz going again. You know how much you know is September second already circled for the Hokies against ODU? No, it's yeah, they got a chip on their shoulder from last year. There's no doubt. And they lost that game with 33 seconds left. Uh, the, the five turnovers, the 15 penalties, just not good. So they, they definitely are ready to go, want to play them, show what it's all about. The, the crowd's almost a sellout right now. It's going to be a night game, so it's going to be electric. And, um, yeah, I think they're excited and ready to go for that one for sure. You and Billy ready to go, Mike? Absolutely. He finally got back in town. He's been <laughs> down in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So he came back up uh, Monday, drove up with his dog. And so he's back in town. I saw him at practice yesterday, and we met and went through the format of the radio. So, yeah, it's good to see him, and uh, we're excited. We actually extended our pregame show a half an hour this year, so we're going to have an extra 30 minutes on the pregame show. It seemed like there were so many commercials, Bob. You couldn't even get like a – you start talking about the offensive line, you got to cut off because you got to get to commercial. <laughs> so, well, that's so we, a good thing, I guess, for half Mike, an hour. right? Yeah, I, I guess, guess those, that's a good thing, somebody. right? <laughs> Somebody's interested in spending some money with the Virginia Tech Hokies and to be a part of Bill Roth and, and Mike Barnes. That's probably not a. That may cut into the pregame meal time. You might have to back that uh, up a you're, little bit. You're absolutely right there. Yeah, We've got to no. get a little pub for that now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, let me finish up with you, uh, Mike, off the field. I almost hesitate to do that because I can tell you, as a sports talk show host with that hat on, it, it's kind of getting boring uh, to talk about. But that's this conference realignment. How much yeah. did you follow what, what happened, Florida State mouthing off as it did, and where you think the ACC is right now at the moment as, you know, conference number three. We know the SEC, we know the Big Ten, and there's a gap there, but then there is the ACC. Kind of how much did you did you keep an eye on that over the summer? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to keep an eye on it just to see what's going on and, and hope that you land in a spot that's good if the thing breaks up. You know, there's so many scenarios you couldn't even go over it in a show, right? I mean, if Florida yeah. State was to leave or Clemson left, what's going to happen to the ACC? You know, and then you got the Stanford and Cal situation and maybe even um, uh, what's called SMU down in Dallas just to get mm-hmm. the TV markets. You know, there's just every scenario you can possibly think of. Uh, but the crazy thing is, it's just like, you know, the 18th team in the Big Ten is going to get whatever that cut is, $70, $80 million, right? And they're going to be the 18th team in the league. I mean, I wish that eventually, and hope that it comes to you, you'll get whatever it is, whatever that number is, 48 teams have 224 divisions, and you set your own rules, cut your own TV contract, have your own playoff set up, and just do your own thing. I think that's what it probably needs to be at. And uh, just hopefully uh, you don't get left out because uh, back in the day before the Big East came around and then the, the ACC, you know, the Hokies could have been in some trouble. But... You hope that they can uh, survive all this mess. And it seems like the ACC has done at least its due diligence right now. I don't think anything's happening, right? Uh, Obviously, 
August 15th was a deadline day for next year. Florida State is right where it was on August 14th and on August 16th. And maybe they made some overtures. You mentioned Stanford, Cal, SMU. But at the end of the day, not doing anything right now. Yeah, that's it. And they did mouth off. And, I mean, you know, they had a good year last year in football, right? But what what have they done before that since right. Bowden left? You know, they've mm-hmm. gone through coaches like Carter had liver pills, you know. I mean, it's like <laughs> – so I just um, – you know, sometimes you just got to quit barking and just go with what you got and hope for the best. And hopefully they'll be able to stick together and, and survive and be a strong league. But they have got to close that money gap, Bob. I mean, that, mm-hmm. it's absurd. It's just getting bigger by the day. So until they can figure out a way to close that gap, there's going to be constant complaining and barking, you can rest assured. Yep, that is that is certainly a key. As we said, there's a a large drop off between one and two, and then three, and, and everybody else for sure. Hey, let's focus on the field, Mike. All right, that, that's the fun part of this thing. It's what we love doing. Uh, love that you guys are getting ready to go, and we'll be listening to you on September second, Old Dominion at Virginia Tech, and obviously we'll try to ring your phone during the course of the year as well. Greatly appreciate it, Mike Burnup. You got it any time. And, uh, boy, some of those Richmond kids are really playing well, those freshmen. Uh, it's a talented group, and we're looking forward to seeing those guys grow. Oh, we, we hope so. And I should have brought this up earlier, I, I, and I don't mean to end on this note, but anything you can – inkling you can tell us about what happened with Stone Snyder there? I mean, obviously that got a lot of, a lot of play here mm-hmm. in Richmond because he is a Richmond, Richmond kid. Yeah. I think that the, the, when he got here, I just think that he saw that uh, the depth chart was going to be mm-hmm. hard to – make waves there because those yeah. other guys have been there for so long, knew the terminology, knew the scheme and all that. And uh, it was just going to be difficult to get some playing time. I mean, that's, that's the, to me, the biggest thing. And, you know, you hate it for them because I think he could have helped them. It was just going to take some time. And, you know, you, there's not a lot of time when you only have 25 practices before the first game. So, yeah. you know, uh, I wish him the best and uh, was looking forward to seeing him. But, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Well, I'll bet you, Mike, one of those other Richmond kids, I'll bet you Ali Jennings has a big game on uh, September 2nd against Old Dominion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he, was, he, was, he was telling the story, Bob, when at media day that uh, when he first got here, he's kind of looking around at his teammates and just smiling. He says, yeah, we got you. I caught a bunch of passes. <laughs> and, and they weren't smiling back. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you can do it again wearing their colors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'll venture he'll have a big game in game number one, one of those Richmond kids, and we hope the rest of them uh, do well as well. Thanks again, Mike. We'll catch up soon. Okay, Bob. Sounds good. You take care. Mike Burnup from uh, Virginia Tech Radio Network, uh, the longtime Hokie analyst, Hall of Famer there, Virginia Tech football. And he's also one of the very few that is the analyst for both football and men's basketball. Yeah, I I almost I meant to ask him about the Stone Snyder thing. And I think, you know, we've all kind of come to that realization that he just wasn't going to get much playing time there, that it just it just wasn't meshing. Uh, for him but there are some other richmonders on that roster tech's done a good job in that regard again uh trying to build that thing back up uh who will play for the Hokies moving forward we need to move forward almost at 10 of 5 already we get a break in we'll bridge the gap and get you up to the top of the hour in an espn sports center update we'll come back on the other side again thanks to mike burnham for talking some virginia tech football with us on the sports huddle 1061 espn 
Big Al life advice, or the newest thing Matt Josephs hates, we've got you covered. You can find replays of all our shows and interviews on our website at ESPNRichmond.com. ESPNRichmond.com. Or on the iHeartRadio app. Just search. Just search. 1061 ESPN Richmond. up to the top of the hour i had a chance uh, this morning to get out to uh, some richmond spider football practice really have enjoyed it uh this year the, the times i've been out have been been several and as i mentioned they do have a an open scrimmage on saturday morning at robin stadium well heck a couple of things i like about the spiders and their practices number one they're all open uh if you want to come out and watch uh, no one's stopping you from coming in and, and watching a little bit in fact there was a hall of fame dick tarrant sighting at spider football practice this morning just sitting up there in the stands taking it all in do a little scouting of the spiders a big spider football fan in addition obviously to basketball but uh, he was he was out there checking out the spides this morning uh and so i like the fact that they have morning practices uh for they try to beat the heat a little bit with that and it certainly fits into my schedule for them to be practicing in the morning and once again uh the offense uh, looked sharp uh, again some some long balls were thrown and caught there was some crispness to the offense uh, savon smith and mylon howard uh, as running backs looked sharp again that big offensive line and they were shut, shuttling some guys in and out uh so really really excited uh kyle wickersham clearly the number one at richmond right now and uh look look pretty sharp at that at that starting position and the defense didn't look bad by any stretch but uh, as we as i say all the time about richmond and probably holds true for a lot of a lot of schools at this point in camp where it's still relatively early still got over two two and a half weeks before you play defense usually ahead of the offense but uh at least there was some competitiveness out there today i'll be back out there saturday and while we'll a report on that sometime next week um, looking forward to seeing it and uh get the season going as we said with mike burnham just a couple of moments ago there goes hour one of the sports huddle on a wednesday afternoon as i like to say that gets us halfway through the week and in my case and i'll fill you in on the schedule on the other side of the espn sports center update we're actually past the halfway point because one more long weekend in my future before the weekends become extremely busy with football broadcasts so we'll detail all of that uh, but for most of you, you have reached the halfway point of the week. It's Wednesday. It's 5 o'clock. It's time to get to the second half of the week already. And we'll get to the second half of the show coming up after the ESPN Sports Center update. That's coming your way at 5 o'clock. Back with the second hour of the Sports Huddle. Straight ahead, 1061 ESPN. Hey, Jen. Sorry I'm late. I had to stop.